Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. That is loud. Is it too loud? You guys having a good day? Good. Glad to hear that. Um, so the kind of the idea we started with this morning um, at, our, at our breakout was this idea of coming together as opposed to being separated and pulled apart. Um, so um, that's what we're going to be continuing to, to talk through tonight. And um, I'm just going to pray before we go into our message time, and then, and then we'll get into it. Lord, thank you so much um, for this day that we've had, um, for keeping us healthy and safe as we move throughout our day. Um, thank you for the sunshine and for friendship and for fun. Um, and Lord, we know that every good and perfect gift comes from you. That's what you tell us. And so we just want to stop and just say thank you. We love you. I um, pray during this time, Lord, our hearts, our minds would be open to what you have for us. God, that we would be prepared to receive from you. Uh, we wouldn't just take this time just like another uh, block of the schedule of the day, but we would recognize um, that during this very intentional time that we are slowing down and, and looking at, at Scripture, looking at who you are, um, that, that you could very well use this time um, to, to draw us closer to you, to make us look more like your son. So, um, God, we're open to that, and uh, we want to be brought into to your truth and experience it together. God, we love you so much. Pray these things in your name. Amen. Um, all right, so last night, our big ideas were this, that God made you the way you are on purpose, and he designed you to reflect his love of humanity. We looked at how each one of us, like a thread in a tapestry, is, is different. We have, you know, uh, things that make us different, distinct, unique from one another, but none of it was on accident. It's all very intentional because we are not in ourselves a singular thing. We are a part of something much bigger. And when our differences come together with God as the orchestrator, beautiful and amazing things happen. Like this tapestry with all its different types of fabric, sizes of fabric, textures of thread, comes together to make a beautiful piece of artwork. I want to, tonight, move on from looking at ourselves, um, who we are, and start to look at the weaving together of us coming together. This passage comes out of the book of Acts. It's the apostle uh, Paul, and he says, God, who made the world and everything in it, is Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after him and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. Now, 
I want to acknowledge that while we do have some big ideas, for some of us in this room, we have some big problems also. And I want to address those, or at least um, what I think they might be. The first problem is with God. Does he exist? Did he make me? Did he make you? Did he make everything and everyone? Is he in charge? The passage we just read certainly makes it seem that way. But, but do we believe that? Do we think this, all of this information is true? And second, our second problem with all of this is people. <laughs> people can be awesome, right? Nod your heads, yes, people can be awesome. And people can be awful, right? Yes, nod your heads, people can be awful, okay? Um, but for, for anyone of us who are in here, and I, w- I was older than every single one of you campers in this room before I gave my life to the Lord. So if I could go back in time and I was sitting in your seat, this would be me. I would have a lot of problems with what we've been talking about so far. But my encouragement to you, if this is you, it's going to do you no harm to entertain these ideas for five days. Because right now, we just have pieces of the picture. We, we haven't gone through the whole thing. And a good friend of mine, a guy named George, is a pastor down in Baltimore, He has this saying, he says, collect the dots before you connect the dots. So last night, we got this sliver of this picture. We have some of the dots, but there's still so much unknown in in the big picture of what we're talking about. We've only uncovered and, and discussed a few of these ideas around this theme of kingdom tapestry pertaining to God, pertaining to us. And so my encouragement to you is keep your mind and your heart open to believing that maybe these things could be true. And at the end of the week, if you decide, once you've collected all the dots, you decide, no, I still think this is, you know, nonsense, that's fine. But we at least want you, this time that you're here, to um, see what comes of it once we've got it all together. Um, If anybody's in the AV booth, I just disconnected my cord and I'm having some problems, so. Okay. Um, So my question then is, if we do believe this, or if we're going to at least entertain the idea that God made all of us on purpose and for a purpose, the question is, do we believe and live this truth? Do we actually deep within our heart, within our soul, believe that God made us? And then do we act this way? And then do we look out at the people around us in our life, in our community, and treat them that same way? Do we say to them, yes, I believe you too were made in God's image. I believe you too were made for a purpose just like me. And what might that even mean? There's a passage in the book of Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned. Everybody say all. 
all, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That word sin, it's actually an archery term. Did anybody play archery tag today? A few of you guys. How was it? Pretty fun. Cool, cool. I really enjoy archery tag. So this, this, this term sin is an archery, archery term that means to miss the mark. It means anything besides a bullseye. That's what sin is because God set his standard is this target right here. It's perfection. Gulp. <laughs> it's a pretty high standard. Anything short of that, and we have not met God's standard. We have sinned. And Paul writes in Romans 3.23, we fall short of the glory of God, or maybe a better translation for that word would be the judgment of God. You guys know those like uh, reality shows like um, America's Got Talent, right? So there's like a panel of judges, and then there's people who come out and they perform for the judges. They sing, or they dance, or they do magic, or they do weird stuff. What's the weirdest thing you've seen on America's Got Talent? Some weird stuff. Some weird stuff. But they finish, or they're asked to finish, right? And then they, they either are judged, and, and they say, yes, you hit the mark. We love what you've done. Or they hit them with a red X, and they're like, no, thank you. You missed the mark. They're judging them and saying, no, you, you didn't do what we were looking for you to do. And that's, that's what this passage is saying. Not, wow, look how terrible everyone is. Paul's just saying, like, man, God has really high standards, and even our best efforts, we can't make it happen. We don't do it. We miss the mark. So if we're talking about a bunch of people who are sometimes hitting the mark, more often than not missing the mark, and if we're totally honest with ourselves, sometimes we're not even trying to hit the mark. We could care less about God's standards. We could care less about doing things his way. We're talking about those kind of people all being woven together, coming together. How is that supposed to work? How is that something that is, is beautiful and, and glorifies God, there are two things that I think go a long way in us achieving God's desire in this. The first thing is humility. Everyone say humility. Who can tell me what humility is? Um, it's where you like do or something, do something that makes you feel like maybe you did something wrong or people are judging you or something like that. Okay, yeah, to be like made to be humble is like be brought down. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I think that's, we're kind of circling, circling the idea there. Oh, you got to be all the way in the back. Here we go. Humility is the act of putting yourself underneath um, a person or a group of people and doing it out of your own free will instead of someone coercing you to do it. 
Okay, okay. I think that 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 kind of gets at it a little bit better. But but what either but in both of those explanations, there is this like lowness to humility, right? I got another definition. I'll hit you up with the next one. There's there's like a lowness to humility. Both of you said that said something about being low or whatever, um, and. Humility, I would say, is this. Oh, I lost my place. Humility is not thinking too highly of yourself, right? In, oh, what passage is that? Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others as better, more significant, more important than yourselves. So that's that idea of I'm going to come down here and I'm going to allow others to be ahead of me. I'm going to be humble. But humility is also not thinking too low of yourself. Because remember, we talked about this last night. We are made in the image of God. How, how low can we go if we are image bearers of God. He doesn't want us to, to like hate ourselves or to be like, man, I'm the worst. I'm so terrible. I'm this, I'm that. That's not true either. There's this term called false humility. <laughs> and a lot of people use it to get like compliments. Like, oh man, I'm, I'm so ugly. No, you're not. Like, you're pretty good looking, you know? <laughs> like, I'm so, I'm so, man, I'm so dumb. No, you're not. You, you remember that one time you got that good grade, you know? People use this like false humility. They like knock themselves down, but oftentimes it's just to like get themselves pumped back up. True humility is thinking accurately about yourself. There's a prayer I heard a long time ago and have prayed um, several times since I heard it. It goes like this. God, forgive me for thinking too highly of myself. God, forgive me for thinking too little of myself. God, forgive me for thinking of myself so much. True humility is thinking correctly about yourself. Not too high, not too low. Thinking correctly. And then two, it's just thinking about yourself less. You're not, you're not so consumed with how tired I am or hungry I am or happy I am or comfortable I am or whatever it is. You're, you're a, a truly humble person is considering that those things for other people as much or more than they do for their own self. That is humility. And that helps as we're being woven together. The second thing is grace. What is grace? You don't want to do this one? Okay, that's fine. You don't want to do this one. What's grace? Anybody? 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 All right, yeah, go for it. So, what I think grace is, is like giving like someone like mercy and like letting it a little easy on them. I Mer okay, so giving someone mercy, going easy on them. Okay, like in what sense? Like going easy on them when they do what? 
Okay, when they mess up. Not like beating them over the head with it. I'm going to run over here with one of these. What is your hand up? No. Okay, great. Um, I think grace is when you are not like being rude to somebody just because they messed up because people are human and make mistakes. I don't know if you guys caught that, but she said not being rude to someone because they messed up. People are human and they make mistakes. Do we have hands up over here? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is a good word. That's what you're going to say? Okay. Man, you guys, are, you guys are hitting it. Grace is an undeserved kindness or gift, right? When somebody does messes up, we don't be rude to them. We don't be mean to them. And then the word that you guys mentioned, forgiveness... I think is, is key in this discussion because forgiveness is when they make a mistake that hurts me, right? It's, it's, it's much harder to have grace for someone when their mistake or their, remember, archery, missing the mark hurts me. When they, when they are, are, fall short of God's standard, of living and God's standard of how we should treat each other, and it ends up with me being insulted, me being taken advantage of, me being hurt in some way. It's harder to have grace for someone in that capacity, but we're talking about coming together with broken people, people who can't get it right all the time. So we have to have humility and grace for one another. The Apostle Paul writes in a letter to his friend Titus, he says, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That, that grace, that level of, of forgiveness, that level of love was first shown by God. And so who, who would we be to deny that grace to other people. There's, there's so much that, that maybe we have done that has hurt God, but he still had the humility to forgive us and the grace to give us a gift that we never deserved. These two things coming together, humility and grace together really just looks a whole lot like love. And the love that we have for one another is weak. The love that I find within myself is conditional. The moment that love isn't given back, isn't reciprocated, guess what it's hard for me to do? Keep loving that person. The minute I reach out in love to, to a stranger and it's not returned or even appreciated, guess how I feel? I don't want to do that anymore. Maybe next time I won't help that person change their tire. Maybe next time I won't help that person with the dollar they were short on at the grocery store, whatever it is. Because my love is not great, but the love of God that he has given to us, man, God's love, unconditional. God's love, 
unending. And we see it and we know it because of the way he has loved us. We didn't deserve it. We deserved, not only did we not deserve it, we deserved something really terrible, a life without hope or joy or peace or much of it. And not only did he rescue us from our sin and from our brokenness, he brought us into what he calls abundant life. It was his purpose for coming here. We could talk about love a lot, but I have another video because these guys are awesome at explaining things. So check it out. So if you've heard of Jesus, you probably know about one of his famous teachings called the Golden Rule. Do to others what you would want them to do to you. And this actually is a restatement of something else that Jesus said, that the meaning of life is to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that's really beautiful, but what does he mean exactly by the word love? It's an unclear word in English because you can love your mom and you can love pizza. And if the word love means the same thing in both of those cases, your mom's gonna feel real bad. So what did Jesus mean in his language? Well, first of all, this love your neighbor phrase is a quotation from the Hebrew scriptures where the word for love is ahava. However, the language Jesus spoke and taught in from day to day, it was a cousin language of Hebrew, that is Aramaic, in which the word for love is rachma. But then, as Jesus' followers spread his teachings around the world, they translated them into Greek using the word agape. But here's what's fascinating. The earliest followers of Jesus who wrote the books of the New Testament in Greek, they didn't learn the meaning of agape by looking it up in ancient dictionaries. Rather, they looked to the teachings of Jesus and the story of his life to redefine their very concept of love. So one time, Jesus was asked about the most important command in the Jewish scriptures. And he first quoted from the ancient prayer in the Torah called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart. So love for God is the most important thing. But then Jesus quickly followed up by saying another command from the Torah was also the most important, to love your neighbor as yourself. So which is the most important, loving God or loving your neighbor? Jesus' answer is yes. To ask the question means you don't get his point. For Jesus, they are two sides of the same coin. Your love for God will be expressed by your love for people and vice versa, they're inseparable. So this makes it clear that for Jesus, agape love is not primarily a feeling for someone else that happens to you, like our phrase, I fell in love. For Jesus, love is action. It's a choice that you make to seek the well-being of people other than yourself. Jesus also went on to teach that genuine love for God and others means seeking people's well-being without expecting anything in return, especially from people who are in difficult situations who can't repay you even if they wanted to. According to Jesus, this kind of generous love reflects the very heartbeat of God. And he took this even further. Jesus said that the ultimate standard of authentic love is how well you treat the person that you can't stand. Or in his words, you shall love your enemy and do good to them, expecting nothing in return. For Jesus, this kind of enemy-embracing love imitates the very character of God himself. Now, we wouldn't be talking about Jesus still today if he had only said things like love your enemy. This is how he actually lived. Jesus was constantly helping and serving the people around him in very practical and tangible ways. And he consistently moved towards 
poor and hurting people who couldn't benefit him in return. He showed love for the forgotten ones, the people who usually fall through the cracks. And when Jesus eventually marched into Jerusalem, he made himself an enemy of the leaders of his people by accusing them of hypocrisy and corruption. But then instead of attacking his enemies to overthrow them, he allowed them to kill him. Jesus died for the selfishness and corruption of his enemies because he loved them. After Easter morning, Jesus and then his followers claimed that it was the power of God's love for the world that was revealed in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. As the Apostle Paul put it, God demonstrated his own agape for us in this. While we were still sinners, the Messiah died for us. Or in the words of the Apostle John, God's own agape was revealed when he sent his one and only son into the world so that through him we could have life. And for John, then, this leads naturally to the conclusion, beloved ones, if that's how God has loved us, then we ought to show love for one another. So Christian faith involves trusting that at the center of the universe is a being overflowing with love for his world, which means that the purpose of human existence is to receive this love that has come to us in Jesus and then to give it back out to others, creating an ecosystem of others-focused, self-giving love. And that's the New Testament meaning of agape love. So that's it, man. Like, that is the purpose, God's intention for our existence. And, and we were messing it up real bad. And so he sent his son, Jesus, to come down to earth and show us what it looks like. And when Jesus was here, man, if you don't, if you don't know about the life of Jesus, I really encourage you to, to look into that. If you need a Bible, let your counselor know. We have plenty. But, but Jesus finds himself in this very unique position of being God, but also being human. So, so when it comes to goodness, when it comes to hitting the mark, there's God, and then there's everybody else over here. And then, and then there's Jesus, who was able to be both and to do both. This is a, a top view. Let's, let's flip it on the side. When we look at it from the side, we see God way, 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 way up here. He created the standard. He lives the standard. He is holy. There is no one like God. He is perfect. And then all the way down here is us. <laughs> and that's not a bad place. That's the human place. That's where we belong. But, but we're all on the same level. One of God's prophets, a guy named Isaiah, he said, when we display our righteous deeds, when we want to act like, look at me, I do so many good things. He says, it's like filthy rags compared to the, the purity and the beauty and the perfection of God. For me, as a, as a basketball fan, it's kind of like looking at the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. As the standard of basketball excellence. And then there's this guy. I don't know. Corey Kispert. He's the backup shooting guard for the Washington Wizards. I actually had to Google him. I, had to, I was just like looking up back like 
players who come off the bench. I have no idea who he is. I had to put his name on the screen because I was pretty sure I was going to forget about it. But here's the thing. You can compare them because they both play the game of basketball. Just like we could say, oh, but God, look at all the great things I do. I know, I know you're perfect, but look at all the great things I do. So it is comparable, but the, the disparity between the standard of God, the perfection of God, and our attempts is way, 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 way down. And we try and try and try. And when we try on our own, we fail. We miss the mark. It is only because of this guy right here, Jesus. Jesus makes a way for us to live among each other, to be woven together in our communities, in our families, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in such a way that there is peace and there is love and there is unity. We could not achieve those things on our own efforts, at least not for long. But God loves us so much that even though he says, man, you guys cannot hit the mark, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son to show you the way and help you as we are woven together to not be a chaotic, violent mess. God desires unity and love and peace between us. And it can be achieved through the person of Jesus. We're going to talk about more as the week goes on. Let's pray. God, thank you for um, your love for us. We thank you that um, even in our, our best efforts that we fall short, um, that, that you understand um, and you love us anyway. And, and you're there to, to forgive us and, and to redeem us. God, I, I pray for any of us who are struggling to believe that, that you could be real, that they could be made on purpose, that they could possibly experience a life full of peace and joy and hope and love. God, I just pray faith over them, over their hearts, over their mind, over their souls. Even for some of us, Lord, who have been walking with you for a long time, we can lose sight sometimes of, of who you are and the great love that you have for us. And so, Lord, I pray you would restore our vision. You would restore our faith. God, as we practice this week what it's like to, to live this way at camp among each other, I pray, Lord, you would give us that humility and give us that grace we so desperately need to, to view ourselves accurately, to think of others more than we're thinking about ourselves, and to be quick to forgive and love without condition. 
God, even as I'm praying these things, I'm, I'm very aware of how difficult it is to live it out. And so we ask for your help. We ask for your strength to do that this week. And God, may we see the fruit of it. May, may we feel your favor. May we feel the, the joy and the peace that comes with living life the way you designed it to be lived. And we give you the glory in all of it, God. We love you. We pray this thing is in your name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.